Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. The Serial Killer Whisperer is in the house. Happy Christmas Eve, Amanda. (laughs) And I'm doing crime stuff and this is like, I I have rules about not doing crime on Christmas. Um, But here we are and we're doing it and I... (laughs) Well, it might be a while before some people, especially on the free feed, get this episode, but we are actually recording on Christmas Eve 2020. So it is like you're about to unwrap your bow as we do the (laughs) Speed Freak Killers. I know, such a joyous joyous case to do for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but uh, this is an intriguing one. You actually thought this would be a quick episode, but there's so much to go through. So I'm really looking forward to the next hour as we go through it. Um, I'm intrigued the way this story goes and, and what happens. So, yeah, I can't wait to get into this one. Yeah, and um, when I sent you the original notes email, I, I actually wrote this one sucked balls um, as, yes. as my response because it really did and it was a really tough one to get through um, purely because it's so frustrating. So be prepared, guys. You're going to be screaming at us over your car radio or, or, or however you listen to this podcast purely because this one is going to be one of those really frustrating ones. But it will be worth it, let me tell you. All right, let's get into our news section first. And the families of the Claremont serial killer say justice has been served with the sentencing of Bradley Edwards. Edwards was sentenced to 40 years behind bars for the murder of Jane Rimmer and Kira Glennon. This report from Nine News Australia. Sentenced to life, applause erupted as an expressionless Bradley Robert Edwards learned he won't be eligible for parole until he's 88 years old, a severe penalty still never equal to the agony he inflicted on others. The jailing of Edwards means the community is now safe. It was in the mid-90s the then Telstra technician abducted Jane Rimmer and Kira Glennon from Perth streets during nights out, slashing their necks as they fought for life. An impact statement read in court laying bare the pain of a mother. I believe Jane would have married and had children. She would have been a wonderful mother. Microscopic DNA eventually discovered under Kira Glennon's fingernails unmasked the killer, first linked to two cold case sex attacks. Those survivors bravely revealing their torment through tears from the woman abducted, bound, gagged, then twice brutally raped in a graveyard as a 17-year-old. By the time I was in his vehicle, I was picturing my own gravesite. Not only have I had to face my own mortality, then I actually had to survive it. Edwards declined 
resigned to participate in a psychiatric report, leaving little insight into why he killed, why he attacked and terrorised a generation of West Australians. So, Amanda, look, it's good to see justice has been served, but I found that last part interesting, that he wouldn't submit to a psychological assessment. Yeah, and, and as you said, it is interesting because um, we might get some insight in, into his, his thoughts during all of this, but I think he's one of these killers who, who wants to seem aloof and above everyone else, and I think it's about him not being told, mate, you're an idiot and you're dumb and you have psychological issues and, and, and that was part of what was happening. He wants to seem to be um, almost untouchable and, and, you know, it took him it, it took the police so long to catch him because he, he was so clever and smart and all of that um so there's a lot to go on with why he wouldn't do it but you right. know we have to sort of go with with that he said no now amanda am i wrong here serial killers don't usually stop killing so it's been 20 years since his last known kill is it likely he stopped killing or could there be victims we don't know about uh, it's it's really difficult to know and I'm fascinated by thinking about that there could be other cases that are linked to this. Um, is it because with the last um, murder he was almost caught then and he thought that they were closing in and so mm. he stopped? Or has he continued to um, attack women since then? Because we, we know that um, we had the Taxi 7 or I think they called them something like that. Uh, no, sorry, the, the Telstra 7. Um, there were seven other women that were, were picked up by him that escaped but it sort of showed how he sort of chose his victims and, and those that he didn't select. So I think, you know, it's possible that there are other victims out there that haven't come forward or won't come forward or some of the missing people in Perth and and the surrounding suburbs could be linked to him. But this is something that no one's talking about, that this serial killer appeared to have stopped, but did he? Mm, very good question. Well, a Kiwi man who murdered a British backpacker he met on Tinder has been caught on CCTV wheeling her body out of a hotel in a suitcase. Jessie Kempson smuggled the body of Grace Milan out of a hotel before burying her in a shallow grave. He was caught on camera buying the suitcase and a shovel. Grace was just 22. Amanda, this guy is a pretty nasty piece of work. Yes, because uh, we couldn't find out about his history until after he'd uh, been found guilty in this case. But, yeah, he, he has a history of sexual assault of women that he does pick up on Tinder. So, um, you know, and, and they were rapes. But that this just proves how, how some of these people escalate. And if he wasn't caught this time, he could have become a serial killer. So we often have to think about that because there is often this, this escalation and it starts with, you know, things like peeping Tom, um, masturbating in public, and then we t turn to rape and then we turn to rape and killing so I mean it's it's interesting that um he had to go through all of this and, and no one was allowed to know his name and we weren't allowed to know what he'd done previously but um the media fought that one and they won so as soon as he was found guilty oh. we got to know his name and then people were easily able to then google him and find out his disgusting uh past crimes it is interesting the escalation isn't it something that starts out as as you said, public masturbation and then uh, attacks and then ultimately the kill. So there is a progression there, but how do you stop that before it gets to the kill part? Uh, well, it's by being caught for, for doing what they've done. And, like, he, he was obviously caught when he had attacked the, the previous victim. 
but it obviously wasn't enough to deter him. So this is where um, we talk about punishment as a deterrent. But as we see that they usually get a slap on on the wrist and being told, you know, don't do that again. I mean, we we had that guy in Australia who um, was on top of a woman. He dragged her into an alleyway, was on top of her, and the judge decided that he really wasn't going to rape her, and he got nothing. You know, he got he he got community service or or, or something, some minute sentence. Um, and so they aren't deterred from from continuing. And what they find is that uh, the thrill from their earlier sexual escapades, um, they don't actually continue to bring that excitement that they once did. And so they need to sort of, you know, up and up and up. It's it's, it's like a drug addict who um, has that first fix and next time they're going to need more and the time after that more and more and more and more. And that's what they do. And this is why some of these people become serial killers. But in between those, they often ha- go back to those sexual assaults. Because let's face it, how would you like to have a hobby that you can only do once every three years? You know, it's really, really hard. And that's why we see people like the Telstra 7 that like Bradley Edwards picked up victims in, in between just to get that thrill of what he was doing before. So um, it's just interesting to see how they do progress. And, I mean, there's all different ways. And some actually start, I mean, we have BTK who started with killing uh, four people in one family. So it's really, really odd and strange how, how some of these patterns work. But we see here this is the typical progression from um, uh, sexual deviance into murder. Okay. Um, In a moment we will be talking about the speed freak killers, but don't forget if you want to continue the conversation with anything in the serial killer world or the true crime world, there's no easier way to do it than joining our Patreon page. You can do that by searching patreon.com slash mwmconfessions and anyone on the $10 tier plus gets access to the secret Patreon Facebook page where Amanda is very active on there (laughs) with new um, information, games and chats every day pretty much. Um, Uh, Multiple times, yeah. (laughs) And even over the Christmas period. So as we enter 2021, escape the horrors of 2020 by going to the horrors of true crime. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I didn't really think that one through. Um, All right. Just go to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. In a moment, the speed freak killers. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ben, Robin, Robin. It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This was not a mistake. This was a lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on 60 Minutes. (laughs) The Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday. 
Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. It's the Ben, Rob and Robbo, Ben, Rob and Robbo, Ben, Rob and Robbo Show. Known as the Speed Freak Killers, Wesley Sherman Time and Lauren Herzog were a dangerous combination. The men had grown up as friends from an early age and began with bullying and harassment of others before moving on to serious crimes. Between the two of them, they were convicted in 2001 in the deaths of four people, though police estimate they may have killed more than 70 people between 1984 and 1999. Interestingly, one of the killers, Herzog, was released in 2010 after his three of the four murder convictions was thrown out on appeal. The fourth was to be retried. The focus of the appeal was claims that his confession was coerced. The fourth case ended up going to a plea deal where Herzog pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter. With the six years he had already served, he was sentenced to only a further eight and was released in September 2010 on parole. In January 2012, Herzog took his own life. Amanda, this sounds like a very messy case. It is a very messy case. And when I started uh, getting the notes together for this, I went, oh, my God, should we really do this or not? Um, Because it's all over the place and you're going to see how frustrating it is. But, um, you know, the the victims, the family of the victims actually claimed that the police stuffed this up from the very beginning. There was evidence that um, had been tampered with. Uh, There was other evidence that was ignored. Uh, There was uh, confessions given by Sherman Tyne who pointed them to have the right place to go. But when they turned up, the person said, no, no, I can't be here, and the police left. And so we've got all things like that that happen in this case. It's just insane. Well, look, it's going to be interesting following the trail here because we've got many interviews to go through. Um, It's going to be interesting to see where police got to the point where he was able to appeal. Mm Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, um, you know, there is just so much to go through and there is hours and hours and hours of tape to go through, but that's not actually what we have. Interesting. We'll come to that in a moment. Look, we start with Lauren Herzog being interviewed on November 20, 1998. He's being interviewed by Detective Deborah Sheffield. As always, Amanda, set the scene for us. Well, interestingly, for this case, we actually just have a camera that's in basically extreme close-up just on Lauren. So it's different to other cases where we have the whole room or or we have at least the whole table Mm. and everything. This is just basically Lauren from, from chest up. Um, his his head is sort of slightly off centre because he's looking at, at the detective and the camera's sort of high up on the wall sort of watching him. And so it's not like a straight on. So we sort of see it slightly turned, um, you know, but... Herzog is neatly dressed. Um, he's wearing a T-shirt. His arms are heavily tattooed. He's got long hair um, that's pushed back by a pair of um, sunglasses. Um, he's, he's quite thin and gangly, actually. Who he reminds me of is basically Axl Rose. So yeah. think about, you know, Paradise City, Axl Rose. That's what, to me, Lauren Herzog looks like in, in these interviews. All right, let's begin with the interview. And you alluded to this before because it doesn't begin with the start of the interview. Um we're not going to have everything, but only those selections that the Sheriff's Department in San Joaquin wanted shared. He's been brought in for questioning after being seen with one of the pair's victims, Cindy Vanderhelden. The pair had been identified by Cindy's father, who owns a bar where the two men were regular patrons. Cindy had disappeared on November 14, five days before this interview. At some point, depending on, on, on some things here, 
you might have to make a real hard decision between your wife and your family and yourself and your life and your old friend, Wes Shermantine. There's no hard decision there at all. Okay, and... I've already told you that. I mean, my family's more important than anything in, in the world to me. Right. But I also sense in That's you, Lauren, that, that, you're, that you're a good friend and that unless we hold your fins to the fire, you're not going to give up, Wes. Unless you're absolutely forced to. Give him up what? I mean. Well, I've already told you the what. The what this bothering us is that we have a young woman who was seen no. talking with you guys, and we have a chunk of time that's unaccounted for. I mean, I, you're not an intelligent, Lauren. You, you can see, you know what this, what our problem, what the problem is. Well, yeah, I can understand that, but. Like you said, you got other people that said the same thing I said about one after the bar. Got to say that Detective Deborah Sheffield has gone in really hard with the family card. Yeah, she has. And, you know, this is very early in the interview. Well, we assume it is because, let's face it, we don't know because these in interviews are cut up. Um, but she uses Shermantine's first name of Wes and she talks about Herzog's family. You know, it's, it's, it's quite interesting that there seems to be a familiar aspect between her and Herzog to suggest that he's probably been in a couple of times before, the smaller town, you know, people know each other and things like that. Um, but unlike other interviews that we see, Herzog is really animated. He's making massively large, bold moves, like his arms are flying around, he's sitting backwards and forwards and knocking around and things like that. So he's, like, completely wired. Well, look, this next clip has a second detective, Tony Cruz, asking a question about the two men being seen with Cindy. It's interesting to note that the timestamp has jumped 14 minutes. Remember we told you how we don't have the complete interview, only what's been released. Well, we have now fast-forwarded 14 minutes. Witnesses tell us that you, Cindy, and Wes are huddled up at the end of that bar. <laughs> I don't remember being in any huddle with anybody. All right, but you guys are talking. For not just a minute, not just a couple of minutes, but for an extended period of time. That's, I can't, I can't recall that. I mean, I can't picture that at all. All three of us might have been talking at one time, but I can't see that at the end of the bar. I mean, that just wasn't there. Is Herzog drunk? He doesn't sound too sober to me. Well, um, they're called the speed freak killers for a reason. So he's either very drunk or he is high on speed. Right. We're not quite sure. But, yeah, he's, he's very much slurring his words and he is sort of making these wild gestures. But they're quite jerky. So it's not sort of that, that natural fluidity that most people have. It's quite jerky. And so it's interesting to see how he does it, you know. But these, that these two men were off on meth a lot of the time. So um, it looks like... Like, they don't have meth mouth. You know how people who do meth have, like, bad teeth and yeah. every, everything? They don't have that. So though they're called the speed freak killers, I don't think they're as far in, into meth that some people are. Um, but, yeah, I think he's either both drunk and high or at least one of them. Um, but at the same time... Um, He's, he's still answering the questions the, the way that you, you would expect him to do, and that is to deny them. Um, but, you know, there must be an element of him where his, his defences are down a bit because he is under the, um, under the influence of something. Well, look, the next piece jumps another 25 minutes. Detective Sheffield brings in Herzog's family again, and there is another jump during this of 20 seconds. But in this recording, it appears seamless. 
What do you think happened to Cindy, Warren? I really don't know. I thought about it, I don't know. I mean, I assume that even though you and Christine have had your ups and downs, she was the mother of your children, I assume. Oh, yeah. And she's, for by all appearances, a, a, keeps a good home for you and takes good care of your kids. Okay. What if it were Christine that we were talking about oh, tonight? <laughs> okay. I remember you said that before, and I was just like, I know this isn't Christine we're talking about. I don't know what I did. But your mom and dad, I know how your mom would feel. I've, I've, I've yeah, I know they're, Cindy's parents must be. They're, they're devastated. Yeah. They are inconsolable. I, mean, I try to think back because I mean, it'd be like, I'd be getting in there with them. <laughs> yeah, it'd be bad. And it never goes away. I know. I've lost a lot of so They pretty much know that we're only going to find a body. They pretty much know that by now. I mean, that's a hard way to think. Right. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah, you got to think positive. No, there's no thinking positive about this. So the, the relationship between Cindy and her family was so close that there's no way that she's not that she's voluntarily gone, okay? And they've pretty much resigned themselves to the fact that, that all they're looking for now is her body. But you know what? They need that. Because without that... Yeah, they give up. Without that, can you imagine not, not knowing? The not knowing where she is yeah, is true. harder than knowing, because they already know that she's not coming home. But can you imagine Christine disappearing and not knowing I mean, where... I'd really go home and sit here and think that way, because, like, you know, that's sad. Anything. Having her is Why do knowing. I sit here and think this way? That's sad. Well, Why are you putting me Because, Lauren, my job doesn't come with a crystal ball. Well, sure, and go. somebody that we have talked to since we started this investigation, we have we've stumbled across lies, and we don't know why the lies. The lies are for two reasons. Because the person that's telling the lie knows that they've had something to do with Cindy's disappearance, and they're afraid, or they're guilty. Or there's another, people lie for all kinds of reasons. And, and I don't know why they lie. I don't know either. Wes is lying and I don't know why. Is it because he had something to do with Cindy's disappearance and he knows that? Or is there some other reason? I don't know. But do you see, I, I'm, I'm not asking you, Lauren, I'm just I, saying. I know. You ask me why am I putting I, you through I know this? What you mean. It's just... I want to find Cindy and put her parents, it's agony to even be around them. Good to say, Amanda, I... I'm an editor, so I've edited video and audio. I couldn't po I couldn't spot the edit in there from an audio point of view. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like as a visual piece. We know that there's a cut in there. Um, why are they removing things that Herzon says? You know, it seems like each time he starts to answer, the tape jumps. Yeah, it's interesting because um, if you don't watch the, the time clock, and so I'm sort of trying to watch his body language but I had to keep watching that the time clock because even on camera because that the camera sort of jumps and skips a bit too sometimes I had to sort of check oh was that an actual jump or is it just a poor recording mm -hmm. and some of them are so seamless it's like oh I didn't even miss that but I realized that the time had changed um but yeah it seems to be that they really just want to show their side of the story you know and again we have um the detective talking about Herzog's family that she she's naming them by names you know and she's making it very, very personal, but Herzog's just 
waving his head at her and just, you know, just, just giving these vague intoxicated responses. You know, and he's even making jokes, you know, when she said, you know, Cindy's family are devastated and they know they're going to find a body and he goes, oh, well, they should, should be thinking positive. You know, like he's just been a smart ass, And all of this stuff that she's saying to him, he's reacting appropriately to saying, oh, yes, if that was my wife, oh, my God, I'd be panicked and everything. But he's he's not taking this seriously. He's like just doesn't care really and I don't know if that's the alcohol, the drugs or whatever, but he doesn't give a shit. Mm. Well, they also said that they'd spoken to Wesley Sherman time. Do we have that recording? No, we don't. We actually mm. only have one small sliver of, of an interview with Sherman Tyne. So, and we'll play that because we're actually playing this in a chronological order. But, yeah, we only have one tiny snippet from him and yet he went to jail forever So, and Herzog didn't. So I don't know what they got out of just giving us just these small snippets. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, that will be coming up shortly, but let's continue with Herzog's interview. And, again, the interviewer skipped 60, 60 seconds. If it come right down to push and shove, would, if, would Wes choose, if Wes needed to cover himself, he'd give you up in a heartbeat. You know he would. The likes of Freddie and him, are they going to cover for you? Never. Are they going to cover for me? Huh? <laughs> it's funny, are they going to cover for me? All right. <laughs> I don't know what they'd be covering me for. Well, huh? It sounded like the officers thought they'd caught him then. <laughs> yeah, he says, like, um, I don't say them covering for, for me. And Detective Crew sort of picks up on that. But Herzog wasn't biting. You know, he says that they have nothing to cover up for. So though Herzog is rambling and he's definitely, as I said, uh, under the influence of something, um, he's keeping his story straight and, and he's actually finding it quite funny. You know, they're talking about that there's two other w- witnesses and he knows that they didn't see anything. So he knows there's nothing incriminating for them mm. to say. So, so when they sort of saying, oh, yeah, people saw you with her, he knows that they saw nothing. Well, the tape skips ahead three minutes this time. You, you grew up with Wes and you've known the good. There is good about him, but there is bad about him too. I've, I've met him on both sides. I've seen, him in, people, I've seen him in both. That's true. But some folks have got some pretty bad, but their bad side is pretty, pretty bad. I, I just finished the report from Calaveras County on that gal that he got hooked up with back last year. Yeah, I didn't want to know about it. I heard something about it. I didn't want to know more about that. He gets pretty wild when he's when he's doing drugs or when he's cranking and when he's drinking, doesn't he? He gets pretty wild, know. doesn't he? I don't know. Wild enough, I'd say. You ever think that Wes would be capable of forcing a girl to have sex with him? I don't know. This is interesting. They're trying to get Herzog to pin the case on Sherman Tyne. Doesn't work though. No, it doesn't. Like Herzog isn't saying anything. You know, they say that Wes has a good side and a bad side, and Herzog responds with, Yeah, most people do. You know, like that's not going to get me to say anything. You know, and um, he's he's not he's not affected at all by what what they're saying to him. He's he's really um, not making much of an emotional response at all. You know, again, we've got something on board, whether it's drugs or alcohol. You know, but he's just manoeuvring through this questioning. He's just um, seeing what they're going to say next because he is shut down. He knows they have nothing. Literally nothing. Um, he was seen at the at the pub with this girl, and yes, that makes him a person of interest. But really, he knows that what they did wasn't seen by anyone, and so he 
they, they have no curveball to throw at him. So he's just sort of going through this saying, okay, yeah, we're going to get interviewed. And they do dozens of interviews with him and they never get anywhere with him. But he's just going through it like, okay, yep, you know, oh, Wes has a bad side. Yeah, well, most people do, you know, and? Yeah, exactly. Well, we've got another skip here of six minutes, but the last response in this clip is really interesting because the first time Herzog actually does get a little angry. At some point, um, in order again to further eliminate you, we would probably ask you for a blood sample and hair, hair standard samples. Would you be willing to do that? To further eliminate you from what's going on. I'm just keep sucking me in more and more. What? No, no, no. Not we had a bill. This is a problem. That's the way I'm feeling. Okay, but remember this. You're not the only one who's done this. This is You're like the fifth or sixth person, and we always ask them. This is what we call a process of elimination. Well, that's what they started out. Yeah, but do you understand? Right. How, I mean, what would you have to worry about? Nothing, now, your right. sample's not going to be there, and, you're, and nothing of your biological fluids is going to be there, right? Right? It's going to be anywhere. Pardon Nowhere. Me? Right. What? Right. And but see, we won't know that unless we took those samples and compared them to the samples that we find. Right? Got it? Right. Is that right? Right. But okay. And the other thing I'm going to ask you is that at some point, if, if it's necessary, and that's why I'm asking you now, or we'd be doing it now, would you be willing to either take a polygraph or a truth verification test that verifies that you do not, in fact, know anything about the disappearance of Cindy Vanderheiden? Because what would the result of that test be? When asked that question, what would the results be? Do you know anything? Oh, about the whereabouts? No. About well, my heart is bouncing right now. About her disappearance. Do you know anything about the disappearance of Cindy Vanner right now? Okay. Do you know, do you suspect that anyone is, is involved in her disappearance? Is there anyone that you suspect is involved in the disappearance of Cindy Vanner right now? Well, if it was Christine, you'd be certainly thinking about people that are around you and who, who might have been responsible for that. We're asking you, is there anybody that you suspect that's more likely to have something to do with Cindy's disappearance than not? Okay. Anybody else? Can we take you back home? Please. <laughs> Please. Interesting. He really didn't like them asking for samples. Yeah, see, as I was saying in that last section, he's going through the motions, answering their questions. He knew that they had no curveballs to throw at him because no one saw anything, but then they bring up DNA. And then, I mean, we're talking 1998, so it's very new and very different back then than it is is today but it does rile him and you know he he does sort of get a bit defensive and so they know that they've hit on something but he also knows that they can't find the body so there's nothing to compare it to yet but, but, but why the, did they stop the interview at that point you know like it was almost like they got their first rise out of him and said should we take you home now Yes, yeah. please. You know, like, I, I would have thought that's the point where you keep... Why won't you give us the samples? You know, like, like exactly. what have you got to hide? All that kind of talk. Exactly. I mean, but really, who who falls for the line of it's to eliminate you from the suspect pool? I mean, there's no one in this world who, who, who believes that line, and he didn't either. You know, but 
it's yeah, frustrating. But this You're, is the first point where he's still losing his calm, that he's feeling he's lashing out there because yeah. he's losing control. As you said, he knows they don't have a witness, but this is something that could pin him on this murder. So yeah. why aren't you following that and really riling him up, getting him to the point where he might accidentally reveal something? It just makes no sense that the moment you get onto something, you're pulling the pin. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, watching this first tape, I was sort of starting to get relaxed and was watching, like, okay, now we've got yeah. that, that first emotive response. Yeah. And they, they, they cut it dry. I don't know if they have a time limit to interview him. This was going on for an hour and a half, two hours, according to, to the timestamps with all those um, skips in it that we don't see. Maybe they had dinner reservations. Oh, I don't know. They had something. But, yeah, to, to think that they're just going to stop. It's not like it's 3 a.m. Like This is just on an afternoon a, a couple of days after uh, she had disappeared. You know, but, yeah, the fact that he's, like, getting rolled up, his responses become a bit jerky and and different to what he's been saying before. Um, yeah, they had him in the corner and quite literally he's sitting in a corner in this room. But yeah, okay. Shall so, so we've just we've just rattled your cages. We have you now running scared. So let, let's take you home. We'll talk later. Yeah, it's like when they allow people to go to the toilet at that point and have a break yeah. when they've just. Ma- uh, you know what I hate? I hate watching professionals in action when I know I could do a better job. Judge Rob, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next interview we have takes place on February 1, 1999. Now, this is three months after Cindy had disappeared. Again, we only have the interview with Herzog. He has now cut his hair. He's seated in the same room, but facing a slightly different way. His face is partially obscured by hat. This first section jumps and there are breaks of many minutes in between. Lauren, you have today because I have drug you in here, kicking and screaming, you have an opportunity to separate yourself from West Sherman time. This next clip, there's a break in the recording of 6.48 between the one we just played and this next one. Wes is going to go with or without you. And today is the time and the place for you to decide which it's going to be. Well, yeah, I ain't going. Like, you know, I've done nothing. He ain't going with me. He ain't, he ain't taking me with him. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I ain't done nothing to be going for. Lauren, I, I, I sure hope you're telling me the truth because I see you as an opportunity to do something that we probably will not have an opportunity to do unless we get lucky, and that's get Cindy's body back because Wes will never. That's, I can't help you there. I don't know. Okay. If I, I swear, I, I told you that is. You know, if I knew, this is the truth. I'm giving. I would have told somebody. Okay. Didn't come up with twenty thousand. Hell, I could use twenty thousand. I turned west and say whatever. But if I, if I knew her, if you I swear to God, if I knew where she was, I'd tell somebody. Without the money, money not being a factor. All right. Okay. I'd tell somebody. All right. If I really knew, I would tell somebody. And and Lauren. I wish I could. And why would you tell? Because what would motivate you to tell if you knew where Cindy's body is? What kinds of things have gone on in your mind since this started? You know, it's a family thing. You know, her mom. Come on, man. Okay. I got kids. One of my kids is missing. Okay. I don't want to get on man. I self-destruct. Interesting. He's got some valid points in there. But look, this sounds like they have Sherman time for the murders, but they're just trying to see how Herzog fits in, doesn't it? 
Yeah, they are. And and as we can hear, he's actually talking a bit more coherent this time, um, but still not great, you know. But as as the detective said at the start there, you know, they actually had to drag him in kicking and screaming. So he likely knows that they've got Shermantine, uh, that he likely knows that they've got Shermantine and he knows that he could be going down right now. And so he would have not wanted to be there. But then they sort of appear to have nothing. I found it interesting that he said he doesn't care about the money. Wouldn't a reward be enticing? Well, um, $25,000 all your life in prison, you know. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, you know, you have to think. He he could be up for the death penalty if he squeals on Sherman Tyne. So, um, you know, because Unless they, he does a deal. He, well, if he does a deal, he's still going to be done for, for killing. I mean, j- just for doing a deal doesn't mean that you're going to get a better deal. It just means that, um, you know, they probably take the death penalty off off the table and that's about it you know but there is uh honor among thieves so you know they know to keep their mouths shut and he's a very convincing liar but he we we don't know what sherman Tyne said so we don't know if he has fingered him and they're bringing him in because you know we're, we're just getting these tiny snippets that are so frustrating but um he's he's being a, a convincing liar because he was there he knows what happens and you know he, he he tries to make it sound like um oh you know if that was my daughter I'd, I'd be ropeable and all of this sort of stuff um but he knows what's going on and i think that he mm. thought that this was it well, the detective then tries another tactic, and again, there's a two-minute gap in the recording. Lauren, this is a sick man. This man has not, this is not the first time, and if and if he's not stopped, this won't be the last. And he has no feeling in here about it whatsoever. None at all. Has he ever even jokingly said to, to you, you either fall in line, Lauren, what was the threat? Even if it was what was the threat? He's trying to leave that open, you know? Kind of just giving you an idea. He's in touch with intimidating. He is very intimidating. And you can, I can never, you, there ain't no telling why you'll, you know, which way he turns or goes. Right. You know what I mean? That, and that ain't, he ain't always been like that. No. And uh, but when he started that, when it was like, I'd known him for so long, you know, and he didn't trust me no more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's when we were friends with him. When he stopped trusting me, it was like, okay, <laughs> now I know he's, that actually was working. He he sort of started talking. Yeah, he, he is. And this is basically his get-out-of-jail-free card. So he now has the opportunity to pin the entire murder case on Shermantine. And so, you know, so now he's sort of playing that game, which we've seen before, where he's making Shermantine look evil, that he's the mm. madman, that he's crazy and, you know, and that he is intimidating. And this is why they, they no longer have a friendship and everything. There are cracks beginning to appear in Herzog's resolve. And the detectives know that this is the moment that they may get him talking. Well, look, there's another two-minute gap before the interview continues. Lauren, I'm telling you that the person that brings you to those, to being Wes Shermantine and Lauren Herzog, Wes Shermantine and Lauren Herzog, it's Wes that brings you to these investigations, not the other way around. 
You understand what I'm saying? Because when Wes gets cornered, who does he say he's who who does he say he's with? Do you know what he said in the Chevy Wheeler case 13 years ago? Do you remember being interviewed on the phone by a sergeant? No, it's out front of my house. He's talking to this. He talked to me. That, that, was, yeah, right. that was the only time I talked to him about that. Okay. But do you see what I'm saying? This is, how, this is part of how you keep ending up in these cases. Yeah. But he came and talked to me, and I don't know why. He has no problem using you as an alibi. This is interesting. The detective says Sherman Time keeps bringing him in. You used the term before. Sherman Time fingering yep. this guy. So the detective is trying to play on that. Yeah, and, and as we were saying before, it's uh, the person who tells the story first gets the better deal, you know, and so they are saying that Sherman Tyne has, um has fingered herself for this case, but at the same time, has he? And this is what mm. they do. And we often see these cases, oh, yeah, but we've been talking to your accomplice and they've said everything. So, you know, you just now have to d- deny or, or, or prove it. You know, and though he's wavering, you know, the officer keeps reminding him how Wes keeps getting him involved, you know, and that's pushing his, his buttons. You know, they're bringing up the older cases now. They're trying to create a divide between the two men to, to make him sort of be the bigger person basically and 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 give up all of the details but any clever criminal knows that though that they're saying that Shermantine's giving away this information he may not be and so he knows to not answer because as he said that, that they've interviewed him 15 years ago for another case and you know nothing happened then either mm. well there's a 35 minute gap in the tape before the detective again tries the deal and he's asking if Shermantine has something over him. But Laura, I don't know for sure how much, how much Wes might have had on you or how much he does have on you. Lauren, for all that you're a cool dude, sometimes you have your stupid moments too. <laughs> and Wes seems to always be around <laughs> the biggest advantage of Lauren oh, when he's being at his dumbest. There really seems to be a... These two know each other, don't they? It, well, it seems to be because, you know, she, she looks like... Well, she appears to be uh, going over cases from a long time ago and knowing all of this background. She knows, um, you know, their family members. Mm. She knows their mates. They, You know, she knows they go to that pub and all of this sort of stuff. Um, they are two peas and a pod and these two boys were always together. But, yeah, she, she, she keeps making that familiarity between them um, uh, w- with her as well. So um, that she, she knows them and these are basically the, the local trouble trouble makers that obviously if a car gets stolen they go and interview them it seems to be that they're sort of uh pinned for everything but yeah she, she is not being as professional as she should she i know that she's she's trying the tactic of you know come on we're mates yeah. and we've known each other forever but i don't think that's going to work because we know what he does with his mates and it's not you know sit there and and, and chat over a table it's about <laughs> going out and raping and murdering women so and, and and shooting men as well so um she is trying to sort of um bring a closeness to this interview by saying, you know, I know you, I know your family. But, you know, he, he doesn't really care. Well, after another gap in the tape, the detective again tries to deal with Herzog to get him to dove in Sherman Tyne, but it takes a very different turn. I see you as possibly our only opportunity for ever recovering Cindy Van Der Heiden. And that's the truth. 
when I sat down and looked at this case because, what do you mean? because I don't know for sure if you truly don't know where where she might okay I'm just telling you uh, really? I'm trying to be honest with you you want me to sign my name in blood? I mean, you just I don't need know. to understand. If I knew where she was, I mean, I'd okay. tell you. Laura, cool. you I'd need to understand what I'm, what, what I'm thinking I mean, and what I'm worried about. how bad I wish I knew where she was. Okay. Because then I could say, there it is. Lauren, tell me, tell me something you do know. I only knew. You've been dancing around me all, all the time we've been in here. What just happened? This, his whole demeanour changed then. Well, throughout the interview, she's actually been playing him as a victim. So that just like Cindy, you know, that this young girl that has disappeared, they're saying that Herzog's probably a victim too and is and, and is being made to do this by, by Sherman time. But um, then she says that she's unsure that maybe he is involved and that gets him angry. So he's really, really pissed off. You know, he, he's been trying to be polite, but now he's cursing. He sits back in his chair. He starts throwing his arms around. You know, he's really, really cranky. He thought that he was in the clear. He thought that they were saying, you know, well, we can't pin this on you, so, you know, you're about to work. Um, you're about to walk. But she's antagonised him now and that has set him off because he thought, okay, this is winding up and, and we're done. But she just went, yeah, I'm still I'm still putting this on you. So is this a good or bad tactic? Um, it wasn't the right time to do it So um, because he was re- relaxing and calm and so she's now, you know, I've got to be honest, I think you're still involved. She, she's making her... her she, she's making it look like that she's actually incompetent, but what she's doing is trying to tease out details. She's trying to say, look, I have no idea, basically. And, you know, that's when he goes, you know, Joe, you want me to sign my name in blood and, you know, ju- just to prove I, I haven't done it because he's going to emphatically deny this forever. Yeah, but and, that's fine. Um, but if he's suddenly thinking, if he's thinking he's getting away with it and then suddenly, oh, they're not believing me, is it possible that he'll turn around and start giving details to try and clear himself? No, because he is trying to say I'm innocent in twelve hundred different ways, and she needs to try something else. Yeah, but she's else. not and, buying and that. Is, yeah, well, exactly. And, and now he and, knows it. Yeah, but this is like hours into, into the second bit video now, and it's quite crazy that she sort of says, you know, oh, I'm believing you, I'm believing you, I'm believing you, I'm believing you. No, I'm not. And it, it throws him off, and that's why he he gets angry because it has pissed him off because he thought he was home and host, mm. you know. But the way she she's done it, it's 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 picked off a nerve, but at the same time, um, he is exhausted and tired and doesn't want to do this, and he's really riled now because he thought that it was all going to be pinned on Sherman Tyne, and now she sort of says, yeah, but I think you're still involved. And that, that that's enough. And it's it's a good tactic when it works, but this has just actually put them back many, many steps. She has tried to do it earnestly and tried to do it in a way that it didn't set him off, but it did. She, she wanted to play it that he was still a victim in this, but it didn't work. It went basically to you're the killer. Yeah, look, I'm going to say that... <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I, I think it was worth a shot. If they yeah. were getting nowhere with where they were going... And this guy thought, oh, I'm in the... You don't have to give over any information when you feel that you're getting away with it. Like if he yeah. felt that he was... They were buying his story, he just needs to hold out. Now yeah. it becomes more combative, I understand, but he's back on the ropes. You know, he was yeah. almost putting the victory sign up and now yeah. he's been taken down a peg and he's like, shit, what's going to happen here? And 
I, I probably would have done this as a way of getting him to talk about Sherman Time because I'd want to be trying to get somewhere and it was going nowhere to this oh, point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But we have to remember that last time that they did this to him, 30 seconds later that they said, okay, well, we'll take Yeah, well, that now. was a tactical error. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he was on the ropes and then the bells rung and he's been able to get refreshed and come back mm-hmm. stronger. This is a thing that never, I never understand. Anyway, there's another gap here as she tries to bring him back to the questioning, but he's still pissed off. I'm not smart and I don't know how to play this system game. It's not, you know what I mean? it's not a game. No, it's not a game. It seems to be because everything is, you know, how right. time it goes like this. And you know what? How in the hell did he get off that last thing he was in or whatever? It's my, can you tell all, me that? Can you tell me that? Can you tell me that? If I wanted to get you, can you tell me that? You need to listen to this. If I wanted to get you, you said you'd answer any questions. Listen, can you me. tell me how he got off that last thing? We don't, we don't know. Interesting. This is interesting. I mean, it is a shame we've only got small snippets, but he was really going to give it to them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. He is so angry now because, as we said, he thought he was home and hosed. He thought that he was done. He was in the thick of it and they were sort of saying, yep, no, we think you're a victim because, you know, where Sherman Tyne's a bad guy, that he's uh, leading you, you down the wrong path. Then they say that, you know, Maybe it is you, and he is just going to go and now revolve through this same anger over and over and over again. So, so the calm and easy, non-sober answers of "Oh, if that, that was my family, I'd be doing this," but now they've turned it to "We're, we're putting this case on you." You're but going they're to go also to jail he's for this. turning it around, saying, "Well, how did he get away with the last case?" Yeah. And they can't answer that. So he's no. now thinking. Well, if he'll get away with this and then I'm yep. going to be dead because exactly. I've given him up. So That's what are exactly you going to do point. to protect me? That's essentially what he's asking yep. here and they don't have the answer. No, they don't because um, they should be pushing the victim card on him and it's not. It, it didn't work and they tried and tried and they will actually try it multiple times still yet. But it's it's to a point now that he is worried that Shermantine has put him in for everything because they're not saying a lot about what Shermantine had told them, but they're sort of saying, you know, but he's the bad guy and you do everything with him and we know that, you know, if he's done something, you're involved too, and it's going around and around and around. But it's just it's it's just so frustrating because these these snippets have have cuts in them that we see a lot of talking from the police and not a lot of responses from mm. Herzog, and and th- this sort of creates this jumped narrative that we don't know what he is saying or in in response to a lot of their questions because it, it cuts between their questions and his his response. So so the truthfulness of these interviews is is quite hard to discern. But you know, they're they're trying a lot of different things, but nothing is is getting them anywhere. Well look, we head to a question now that in today's day will sound very dated, but it's interesting nonetheless. This is nineteen ninety nine. Do you know what DNA is? Do you know what DNA is? DNA is that is the signature in everybody's cells that shows that your mom and dad, you are a mixture of your mother and father. Do you understand what the technology is like nowadays? We can tell you exactly whose blood that is. Cool. Okay. Cool. Lauren, you have got to ask yourself, do you want to be part of 
what's in the trunk of that car because no. you, by your own statements, are in that car. No, I don't want to be in the trunk of that car. No, you don't, Lauren. And I don't You know I don't be in the trunk of that car. I don't know that, Lauren, because oh. I'm I'm not <laughs> hearing anything from you that tells me that you have decided not to stand with Wes anymore. What do you want me to tell you? The truth. Right here. Lauren, what I've always wanted from you I is don't, the truth. I never want to see him again in my life. You're going to see But I can see him one more time, yeah. You're pushing it to what's going to come to. You know what's going to come to. What I'm going to have to do now, you're giving me no choice. Lauren, you have a choice. The choice is to talk to me. If you keep putting me in there where it's like you're giving me no choice. No, you always have the choice. You are a man with family and with children and parents that love you, Lauren. You always have a choice. Yeah, the anger's getting the better of him there. It is, and there was a, a bash that we heard in that, and that was actually him head-butting the table in front of him. You know, he is fi- he's so pissed off, he's frustrated, you know, but once he does that, he puts his sunglasses back on, like on his face, he puts his hat back on, he's basically just shut down, you know. I. But he believe- raises a good question. He says, you give me no choice. You're now mm-hmm. accusing me, yep. I can't help you. Yeah, but we have to remember that this is fake outrage. We have to remember that too, because he is guilty. Yeah, but you know, yeah, it doesn't is, mean it's fake outrage. It could oh, be it real out, outrage that they dare question his guilt, even though he knows he's guilty. How dare they think I'm guilty? <laughs> and that's why it's fake. <laughs> you know, but, but, basically, but it's not. It's not from a place of fakeness. He really is outraged. Oh, he is outraged. Um, you know, but at, at the same time, inside he's laughing at them because they got nothing. You know, and they try and scare him with DNA, and you know, he's like, "Well, that means nothing to me. I don't even know what that means." So. I, I, I can't I can't be afraid of that because I don't know what it means. He doesn't realise that this is to do with the samples they asked for him three months ago, um, which they didn't get, um, that he, it's, it's the same thing, but he doesn't re- realise that. So he doesn't know to get angry about it, but he's basically just pissed off. He's done. Sunglasses are on his eyes so he can't see them. Arms are crossed. He's pissed off. The yeah, I'd be done. ripping those sunglasses and the hat off him and saying, no, sunshine. But, look, yep. it wasn't done. Our next clip is after another seven-minute gap. The male detective, Tony Cruz, he's standing over Herzog. And, interestingly, he has his hands gripped in his own. The questioning is now about Chevy Wheeler. This was a 16-year-old girl who had disappeared from her school in October 1985. Before she'd gone missing, the teen had told friends she was going on a vacation with Sherman Time. Help me. That's all I'm asking is help. Put it right here. What did Wes tell you about the Chevy Wheeler case back there? That he buried a body on his parents' property? Where? On the property. I think it's under the old cabin thing. Under the old cabin. You've been up there since then, haven't you? Well, no, wait a minute. It couldn't be under because the cabin was there. It's been a long time, and like I said, I tried to forget it or let it go. I'm all right. He said something like, I guess there was, I don't know if it, there, there, there was blood in the bottom of the wood floor cabin or whatever, and he 
I don't remember who the hell said or seen or whatever how he was doing exactly. He said it was from a deer. He got it in deer and deer was skinned out of deer and there, you know. Did he show you the blood? No. Okay. Well, I'm a little confused now. All right. Tell me what he told you about Chevy Wheeler. Trying to get it out. <laughs> I tell you one thing he did say that I know for a fact because this is one of the most recent things he's told me. Not most recent, but within the last year. Within the last year, all right. What did he tell you? Said he was sweating it up there on the property when you, when you got into the property. Because he said, uh, his parents asked him, well, we have anything to worry about, he says. It's only some old stuff. It's only small stuff? Only some old stuff. Only some old stuff. Okay. How did this change? Herzog was about to walk out and now he's telling them everything about Sherman Time. This is a big change. Yeah, and there's that seven-minute gap in the tape. So mm. we don't really know what's Maybe happened. Maybe they took the sunglasses off and the cap off and said, no, sunshine, no, I don't know. I don't think it's that simple, you know, and this is why we don't have the full story. So I think two things could have happened during that cut. One, they threatened him and put him un- under duress to answer. Or two, they moved away from cases that he, he was involved in because now they're looking at a case from 1985 that Shermantine alone is the prime suspect. So, um, but knowing some of the charges would later throw out, due to coercion, you know, this could have been what allegedly happened here, that they threatened him and that's why he starts talking because, remember, the charges were... Th- well, the, the the convictions were thrown out, which is even mm. worse. Yeah. Well, talking about coercion, the officer asks if Shermantine has something on Herzog. This is an interesting question, I think. Flat out, Lauren. Does Wes have something on him? You don't even have to tell us what if you just want to say yes or no. I don't. No. Okay. He does have something over you. I'm not done. No, you don't. He said it. So he nodded yes, but wouldn't reveal what it was. Yeah, that's right. And um, and now they know he's likely guilty of something, so it will be a point to come back to. So rather than push him on this, because they said to him, you don't have to tell us what it is, but if he's got something on you... Just say yes. So this is a big step forward. This is their first gotcha moment that that, that they actually do have. Mm. So, you know, now there's a bargaining chip on the table for the officers to win. So they know that Herzog did something bad and he won't say what it is because there are two different stories and he needs the deal to talk. So they know that this is what they're doing. Well, surprisingly, now that they've got a gotcha moment, they don't actually send him home because two minutes later they actually return to this point. If we take West to jail and charge him with murder, will that change anything for you? And be honest with me. If it won't, then just say no. But yes or no, if if we are successful in taking him to jail and charging him with murder, will that change anything for you as far as Wes's power over you? Or will it go with him wherever he goes? Will he always have the power to reach out? And keep you silent. I think that would change things. Give it some thought, okay? Yeah, I really think so. All right. He seriously had to consider that question. 
He did, but then he cleverly chose to think on it some more. You know, he knows it's essentially a life or death answer for him. So he's not ready to confess and he's not going to confess to anything that Shermantine did. So um, he, he knows that Shermantine's going down anyway. So he has to now realise what does he want to confess to that will minimise his involvement in this but still get him, like, not involved at all at the same time. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's just so weird that he's now so subdued after, you know, shortly before he was headbutting the table. Something's happened. Something's mm. happened. Well, then Cruz asks the same question after another gap in the interview. That all that Wes has over you that we talked about earlier, right? She said, I'm not asking you to tell me what it is. Okay? I mean, even though the curiosity... All right, it's killing me. However, are you worried about it from a legal stand, stand but that you would get in trouble with the law, that he would snitch you off because you would get in trouble? Are you worried about that, or are you worried about Wes doing something to you or your family? What worries you the most, Lauren? All of it. Equally? Nah. <laughs> Hear what he said. What worries you the most? The law getting to you or Wes getting to you and your family? Because of what he knows. Okay, then let me tell you this. We do not... We are fact-gatherers, like I told you before. But what we do is we work with the district attorney. Well, that's not the way I mean it either. Okay. I'm thinking of West being in custody most of the time. Because I can't put it how I is. Everything has to go in certain procedures. Yeah, I'm saying that. Okay. The same laws that protect you protect him. He doesn't really commit to an answer there, does he? No, he doesn't. And, you know, we're told that this is, you know, a backwards drug addict guy who, you know, doesn't care. But we're actually seeing a very different type to, to, to what we should have expected. You know, he, he's actually quite clever and he's doing well. He, he isn't really falling for their ploys or their mm. um, way to try and get him, him back to the answers that they want. You know, like he says stuff like, oh, I'm really curious. You know, it's, it's like some Hollywood drama or something. He's just there just to sort of go through the motions and know that, if he can get out the other side of this interview, then that's one less that he has to do. Well, when we return next week, we're going to hear from Sherman Time himself. We'll hear about their friendship. When he gets in the interview room, it's a very different way of answering the questions. That's going to be quite fascinating. Amanda, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. I can't wait to hear from Sherman Time. That's next week on Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 